against us, where you are in us and you are with us and you're upon us. And Lord, we can trust. We can trust in your almighty hand and your heart. Lord, in fact, when we can't see your hand in things, and there, Lord, there are many times that we cannot see your hand in things. But Lord, we know that we can trust your heart. Lord, cancer doesn't make sense, but in the light of this world and what's going on, Lord, we live in a fallen world, Lord. And the Bible teaches us that it rains on those that are just and those that are unjust alike. We as Christians get just as wet as the sinner man out there that's lost as a goose. But we both get wet. And Father, Lord, and you come, and Lord, and you give us comfort and you give us peace of mind. And you give us everlasting love. You give us strength. And Lord, as I think about so many of ours that right now are just, you know, that there they are. They're battling, Lord, in their health. They're battling, a Lord, a cancer that's going on and, and various things. Not just that. I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that we battle. Lord, we know that being a Christian doesn't mean the pathway was going to be easy. Lord Jesus, you taught us the pathway wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be hard. It was going to be tough. But, Lord, stand we must. We must stand trusting Christ alone. You give us the power to live. You give us the power to overcome. And you give us the power to die. And to die with dignity and strength and confidence and assurance that, Lord, you never leave us or forsake us. And we can be with you for all eternity. We have an eternal home. That's designed for each and every one of us that are your children. And Lord, it's my prayer, Lord, that everyone in here knows you as their father. There's no greater need in the world today than people trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and Father and believe that he is God Almighty. Help us to understand that this morning. Help us to gravitate to you this morning. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to my heart. You've been speaking to my heart this week. Speak to all of our hearts, God. And help us, Lord, to draw close to you. And Lord, I give you praise for healing. I give you praise for salvation. Lord, I give you praise for it. No matter what we go through, our ups and downs, we're to praise you. In. We're to be anxious for nothing. But in all things, with prayers and supplication, with thanksgiving, we are to make our request known to you. And Lord, when we do that, in the good and the bad and the ugly, Lord, that you give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Help us, Jesus, to be close to you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all people, God's people said what? Amen. Maybe seated. Thank you so much. A little bit different, a little bit impromptu things this morning. You know, we just got to let the Spirit lead us. Amen. So good to see each and every one of you this morning. I tell you what, I can't. You know why? You know, you know why my eyes leak? My eyes leak so my head don't swell. You ever heard of that? They do. And then when it does that up here, I can't see a blooming thing, right? So anyway, well, I can see now. So anyway, but I just I just thank the Lord for what he's doing in this fellowship. I thank the Lord for the guests that are here. Thank you all for being here today. I just pray that uh, that you meet Jesus here. That's, that's my whole prayer. My whole point of me being here is to be able to proclaim the Word of God and proclaim it uh, in truth that it is. And Lord, it is absolute truth. And, uh, and I just want you just to think about your life. 
Think about your daily activities that you have Monday through Saturday and you come in here on Sunday. And make sure that you're, you're in the way. You're in what God would have you to be doing in your life. That you're being in God and through that being, He causes you to do things uh, that you would probably ordinarily do. And that you would be a light in a lost world that needs to see Jesus' light shine so brightly. And there's opportunity on every turn, on every corner, in every place where we go. It's amazing, yesterday we were helping one of our members move from one place to the other. And we had a couple gentlemen that, were, that I didn't really know and I wasn't aware of. One of them was riding with me because I had to pick him up and bring him to help. He was a, he was a young 30-something back, so he could pick up some stuff, you know what I mean? And so uh, some of us, uh, we struggle a little bit with that at times, but I think we held our own, Brother Martin, don't you? I think we did pretty good. So I just thank the Lord for the men that came out yesterday and helped Sister Betty move, and what a blessing that was. And uh, I thank the Lord that nobody got injured, and so we're here this morning. I thank the Lord, but I thank the Lord, too, for the opportunity to share the gospel with this young man and just to find out where he was at. I also, I also thank the Lord for, uh, uh, I want you to put on your list the name of Jerry. Uh, Jerry uh, was helping Sister Betty, his acquaintance of Sister Betty, uh, but he had a prayer request with me yesterday. And so I just, just write down Jerry's name and just pray for him. And uh, I had a, a sweet moment of prayer with him yesterday. And how God just, he provides divine opportunities. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Don't forget this. Listen, you've got to be looking for him. Actively, intentionally. All of us have a responsibility to look for those divine opportunities when God wants to use you and I to make an impact. I'm not saying make, we could always make a difference in people's lives. But listen, God wants you to make an impact in their life. And he wants, you to use, he wants to use you. You're the tool in the master's hand. Amen? And when, when you're the tool in the master's hand, I'm telling you, you've got to be intentional when you get up every morning. And you got to say, how many of you ever do that? God, how can you use me this morning? How can you use me today? You know? And every hand should go up. It should be part of our mindset and everything. And listen, how many of you want success in your life? Do you want success in your life? Yeah, every hand will go up real quick for success. Listen, I want to show you. I want to show you. Turn to Joshua chapter 1 for a moment. I want to tell you, you want success in your life? This is something God was adding in my heart this morning. And I want to share with you this morning out of this word. Remember Joshua, you know, he replaced Moses. Moses died and then Joshua was called up to be the leader of Israel, right? And so before he goes into the promised land, God's just speaking to his heart. And he's sharing some things about it. I have an idea that Joshua might have been, Joshua might have been a little bit timid. I don't know. But if you look at Joshua chapter 1, he starts off in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So here's a done deal. It's a done deal. God has already proclaimed and said, hey, listen, you're going to get the land. And everywhere, Joshua, you go, he says, he says my feet, you're going, to, you're going to walk in my footsteps. I've already gone before you. He's gone before all of us. We had to walk in his footsteps. You hear me? We've got to walk in his footsteps. As we go through the book of Revelations, listen, God wants you to walk in Jesus' footsteps in and through your life. And it's so important for us to do that. And so here God has directed Joshua to be strong and to be courageous. Everybody say strong, strong. Courageous. courageous. And you're right. Are you strong and courageous today? 
And then he gives them a formula for success right here. He gives it right here. And this is for not just him, but it's for all of us in the world today. He says, only be strong and very great. That's important to God to tell Joshua that. And it's important God to tell you and I that this morning. He says, be careful. Here's the thing. Now listen intently to what he says. Be careful to what? To do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. He said, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have what? Success wherever you go. Success wherever you go. And then in verse 8 he says, this book of the law, this is the book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Do you meditate on God's word day and night? Is it part of your DNA, right? He said, day and night, so that you may be careful to what? To do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Because God's not going to lead you down a path of destruction when you're following him. He's going to lead you through the good times and he's going to lead you through the difficult times. God is always there. He's our ever-present help. When? In time of trouble, God is there. God is there for you, Brother Bill and Brother Frank. And all of you dismissed. He's, God is there for you and me throughout the rest of our days for all eternity. And we've got to trust him this morning. He says, have I not commanded you, in verse 9, be strong and courageous. There it again. He says, do not tremble or be dismayed. Anybody ever get scared? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we get a little scared. But we don't need to tremble or be dismayed. Why? What does he say? For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Amen. Man, let that be a good word in you this morning. We could probably just close it up and go home. Right? But I know you want to hear that. But I was thinking about this this morning. I was like, ah, you know, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And we have to be prepared to go to heaven, Right? We gotta know Jesus as our Savior. We gotta know Jesus as our Lord. And we gotta know that Jesus is God. And people have a hard time dealing with that. They might know about Jesus, but we gotta know listen, if He's God, He's God. And we're gonna bow before Him. So are the lost people gonna bow before Him. Every knee is gonna bow, every tongue is gonna confess. Jesus is what? He's the Lord. He's the Lord of glory. He is God who came in the flesh to lay his life on a cross for all of us and the whole world. So with that, turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 11. <laughs> Revelation to stir our hearts more so to be more intentional in our walk with the Lord. We need to get up every morning when you have your cup of coffee and have Jesus on your mind. You need to get up every morning and get your cup of coffee with Jesus on your mind. You need to open His Word and let it fill your soul and your heart and your mind. That's right. You need to do that. You must do that. This is when I look at reading out of Joshua and you want success in your life, there's no greater way than having the Word embedded in your DNA. Part of your everyday life. God loves you so much that He would give you His living Word, right? 
And yet so many times we ignore it. And I want to encourage you this morning. I know life is busy. That's the devil's trap. Don't be so busy you ain't got time for the God of the universe. Next time you look up at night and you see all those stars in heaven. You know, the scientists with the Webb Telescope, they're trying to figure it out. Where's the end of the universe? Well, my Bible tells me in the very end of Revelation that to his kingdom, there is what? No end. They're not going to find it. I'm convinced. He's a powerful God that holds everything together. And he blesses our hearts every single day just to be here. We need to thank him often. Spend time with him. Let him speak to your heart. He he holds everything in perfect order. And when he holds it in perfect order, listen, he wants to hold your life in perfect order too. But you've got to surrender it to him and you've got to let him have it. Last week we talked about what? The two witnesses. Remember them? What happened to them? Right? They couldn't be touched for a period of time. Then all of a sudden the beast came out, killed them dead, right? As I would say, graveyard dead. There they were. Left them in the street, right? For people to see for how long? Three days. Three and a half days. Three and a half days. I'm curious why the half, but three and a half days. And then what happened? They rose from death to life again. And she said, come on up here. Come on up here. Amen? And that's where we kind of left off last week. What a joyous thing. So let's pick up in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, the next verse. It says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Man, blowing the seventh trumpet, this is a super significant thing here that's happening. It also matters in understanding the remainder of the book of Revelation, because what we're seeing is kind of like a summary of all the things that have been taking place. In the past with the trumpets and what's going to happen in the future with the bowl judgments. This response of those in heaven. Look at that. Those in heaven, when this trumpet is blown, is pure excitement. They're in heaven and this trumpet is being blown. And they're turning their heads and they're excited. They're excited. Why are they excited? Because listen, listen, something is going to happen very quickly. Something is going to take place. But yet in this intermission part here, it's like back in chapter 7. Listen, in contrast to the opening of the seventh seal, a few chapters ago there was silence in heaven. Right? And so here is this woe, this third woe begins to open. And, and listen, there's joy going on in heaven. Here this trumpet reveals God's ultimate program for all of heaven. And it's realized in this very verse that the end, in fact, is coming. So all in heaven are there and they're like, yes, it's time. The seventh trumpet is coming. And they're full of joy and they're rejoicing triumphantly in heaven because they know the end is near. Joy is in the hearts of those in that heavenly realm as this trumpet blast sounds. 
The anticipation of the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign for how long? Forever and forever and forever to infinity and beyond. Right? Those buzz like your friends. So I digress. Listen, it should excite you. Does that excite you? I hope it excites you, right? The unrestrained joy that the power of Satan is to be forever broken. He can't affect anybody ever again. And it's coming. Everything. Listen, the kingdom of the world, instead of the kingdoms of the world here, it brings to us an important truth to understand in this verse passage of Scripture. All of our worlds, all of our nations are diverse groups of people. Right? They're for everywhere, right? And, it's, and it brings us to this. The groups of people are in reality, and in reality, all the kingdoms of the world are really one kingdom. You realize that? I don't care if you're Great Britain, United States, Vietnam, it doesn't matter where you're at. All the kingdoms of the world are really one kingdom. And you know who the king is? The king of the world is Satan. I want you to think about that this morning. The world system is Satan. That's what the world system is all about. The world system is all about what Satan directs and does and attacks and deceives. See, this king is known by many names. I want you to think about this. He's known by many names. Let's name a few. He is the accuser. He accuses believers like you and I before God. Revelation 12, 10. He's Beelzebub. He's the Lord of the flies. I mean, that's even awful just to even say. Matthew 12, 24, 26, 27. He is Belial, which means worthless. 2 Corinthians 6, 15. He is the devil, the slanderer. Matthew 4, 1. He is the dragon. He is the destructive creature. Revelation 12. He is the evil one. Intrinsically, he's evil. John 17, 15. He is the God of this world. He controls the philosophy of this world. In Ephesians 2.2. 2, uh, I'm sorry. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 4.4. 4. He's the prince of the power of the air. Controller of unbelievers. That's Ephesians 2.2. 2. He is the roaring lion. The opponent. 1 Peter 5.8. He is the ruler of this world. He rules the world system. John 12 and 31. Satan is, 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 is an adversary, Matthew 4.10. He is the servant of old, the deceiver of Eden, Revelation 12.9. He is the tempter, enticed to sin, 1 Thessalonians 3.5. In fact, in Romans 13, if you've read Romans 13, you know that all of our governments, they are ordained by God. And why are they ordained by God? So that, listen, so that we would have well-being in our land. We would, they would take us, they would develop laws and stuff to kind of keep some kind of order in our land. And as we see our days fast approaching, our land is more and more what? Out of order. It's because of the philosophy of the, of the, of the worldly king, the devil. And so, and so the governments, and see, here's the kicker with all this. The, the governments refuse to submit and acknowledge the sovereignty of our God. If they would just do that, if they would just trust the Lord, if they would just do, I think, I would think, I would go even far and say what our founding fathers taught. 
Our founding fathers at Constitution Hall would get on their knees and they would pray for the entire nation when they were beginning. I dare say that there's anybody in our Congress that gets on their knees and prays. God is sovereign. He's in control. And we are going to bow to him one day, saved or lost. So here's the thing. These governments of the world, guess what? They're part of whose kingdom? Satan's kingdom. That's what they're part of. This is what we're getting at here. Jesus affirmed that in chapter 2. In fact, in John 12, 31, listen to this. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be what? Cast out. John 14, 30. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. He has nothing in me. John 16, 11. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged already. He's already been judged. Satan will rule in the future under a oneness of lost humanity. It's coming. It's coming. As we read Revelation, we'll see it. In one visible kingdom under Antichrist, which is called the beast leadership. The Antichrist is the beast. And under his leadership, there's going to be oneness of lost humanity worshiping the beast. In Revelation 13, 1 through 4. And we will get there one day. Remember... We are having the privilege, and listen church, hear me. We are having the privilege of seeing into the future events that are going to take place. <coughs> Heaven will rejoice when this takes place. Can you imagine? And we will be part of it, this rejoicing front and center. All of us that are believers, we're already going to be there. And we're going to experience everything that I'm talking about. Everything I'm talking about, listen folks, you're going to experience in real time. You're going to see it with your own eyes. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to see it and you're going to be part of it. The scripture, the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ can be confusing too sometimes because the Lord in the New Testament usually refers to Jesus. But as here, Revelation is a reference to God. What this shows is that they are equal in nature. God and Jesus are equal in nature. Think about this. The Father and the Son, they're one. Right? And so understand that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one, yet they are three distinct individual persons. Don't ask me to explain that. Because I can't. I just believe that God said it, and there it is, right? That settles it, right? It don't matter whether you believe it or not. God said it. It's over. It's settled, right? And that's what I believe. He's God. Jesus is God. Holy Spirit is God. Three in one. Get three distinct individual persons. Only God could do that. In fact, in John 14, 7, listen to what Jesus says. And it's interesting because the disciples here kind of question that. Hello. It says, maybe it's God called. Huh? If you had known me, he says, you would have known my Father also, John 14, 7. From now on, listen to what Jesus says. You know him and have seen him. But listen, they kid Philip, right, said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, come on, man, have I, not to come on, man, but have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? I mean, get real. Come on, get a grip. 
I've been with you. You've seen, you've seen, you've seen the things which I have done. You watched me raise Lazarus to life again from the dead. And yet you don't know who I am. And this is what he's saying. This is what he's trying to get into his thick head. How many of us have thick heads in here this morning? Amen. Some of you are lying because you ain't raising your hand. So I just want to tell you, I have my hand up, bro. The Lord, you saw him right there. Anyway, but listen to what Philip said. He said, Lord, show us the Father, right? He's enough, right? He says all that, right? He says, and listen to what Jesus says. <laughs> Look at verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? He says, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding. You know, underscore that word, abiding. I love that word. That's a key word for you. It is a key word for me. John 15, 5, Jesus said what? I am the vine. He says, and we are what? If we're a believer, we're the branches. And what does he say? He says, I abide in you and you abide in me. And he says, together, he says, we will bear, you will bear much fruit. In other words, we bear fruit. We don't produce it, but because the vine is abiding in the branches, listen, the power of Jesus in and through you, when you're surrendered to him, when you're doing what he wants you to do, when you're being in Jesus, then the doing comes afterward. And when in the doing, God empowers you to touch the lives of other people. So listen, that you will produce fruit in and through your life. Amen. That's why I say we've got to be intentional in everything that we do every day. We've got to make our minds up in the morning. We spend time with the Lord. Lord, how are you going to use me on this glorious day? And when you walk out that door, man, have your antennas up, be looking for God to bless you. It might be a neighbor, it might be a cashier, it might be a, somebody at the gas pump. I don't know. I don't know where you go. But y'all go a lot of places. I do know that. Right? <laughs> and I praise the Lord for that. Because he sends us out. Like he sent his disciples out. He sent you out. I send you out. The same way Jesus sent the disciples out, we go out of this door in our field. The harvest is ripe, right? It's white, it's white, it's full, it's ready. But we, we are the ones that are out there sowing, right? God, he sows the seed to the world. He uses us to do that. And listen, he's there for us to reap the harvest. But we've got to be intentional about doing that. And this book of Revelation should spar us. I mean, it's so horrendous, the things that we've been talking about. And this little place right where we're at right now is a little pause for us just to, just to take a little breather and reflect upon all these other trumpets that blew and all the, all the horrible things that were taking place. And now he's fixing to unleash these other bowls that are coming after it, you know. And so it's going to get worse. Never better. It never gets better. It gets worse. It only gets better when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom. But he's going to destroy this world. And he's going to make a new one. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Because the old earth is passing away. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm excited to see what that's going to be like. It's going to, it's going to be mind-blowing. It already is to me. He says, believe me, in verse 11, that I am in the Father, Father's in me. Otherwise, believe me, because of the works themselves. See, we must understand that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is God. He is God and Lord. He needs to be Lord of your life. We serve a great and mighty God. We have nothing to worry about ever. His plan is being accomplished. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, we can be most assured 
that heaven is in the very presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We will be. Amen. Awesome. Encouraging thing. All things will be revealed to us. We will be perfected as God is perfect. Think about that. I don't think you're going to ask some questions that you have on your ledger or whatever in your mind. I'm going to ask God when I get there. You're not going to need to. It's going to be revealed to you. I think you're going to know. In Revelation 11, look at verse 16. He says, And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks, we give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to what? To reign. John here sees the 24 elders. What are they doing? They're praising God. And notice there's three attributes in their praising of him, right? There's three attributes of God are emphasized here by these elders. First, they see what? We see almighty. He's almighty God. He is omnipotent. He is all power. There's, he's a standalone power. Listen, when I look at the heavens and the universe, I think, wow, what power. Look at the sun that causes us to live and survive every day. Look at, I don't even know how hot it is. It's like umpteen thousand degrees temperature. God is all power. He's omnipotent. All power. It's mind blowing. The second thing they say, who are and who were. This is an expression of God's infinite existence. Before God created the heavens and the earth, time and space, he was and will always be no beginning and no end to God. He always was. Well, who, who, who created God? Nobody. God always was. Just settle it in your life. He always was. How can you even question that when you look at the universe? God is. We look at each other. No two people are alike, except for some of our twins we might have here. I know. But even their personalities, when you look at them, they're not completely identical. One might be a little taller than the other. Right? And so, you know, and, and they have different personalities. They have different personalities. So the personalities aren't identical. They're different. We're all different. We're made uniquely. Isn't that amazing in a world of 8 million people? There's no two person alike. That's God, right? I thank the Lord for some people that are not two of them. <laughs> some of them, you? Oh, come on, come on, be honest, be real, right? So, yeah. And sometimes I wish there were more people like a person, you know? Oh, I wish I had a hundred of you. I know. Isn't it amazing? It is amazing. No beginning, no end. Self-existent one, right? And the third thing, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Have taken signifies, listen, the, the, the preeminence of God's sovereign rule. There always was and always will be a universal reign of God. There always will be a universal reign of God. And Jesus Christ over the whole earth, the prophets predicted this. For a long, long time over the course of all history. And I really believe that God did that. God gave us all these prophecies in the Old Testament. Listen, to point to Jesus. There's 240 prophecies that point directly to the Son of the living God. And, and, and listen, God gave that to us so that we could share it with other people and say, Listen, these things just don't happen by chance. These, these scriptures were written anywhere from five to a thousand years before Jesus was even birthed in Bethlehem. 
I mean, things written hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years before Jesus came on the scene. It's real. We can check it out. We can look. It just, just does, doesn't just happen like that. It's not a chance or nothing. It's not. There's no way. Jesus fulfills 27 prophecies in the Old Testament in one single day. And people don't even think about that. From hanging on the cross, shedding his blood, his bones and his body not broken. I mean, you can go on and on and on, and they're there. Jesus is the real deal. The scripture is the truth of God's word. And God gave us his living word. God breathed word into the men who wrote and pinned them down. So we would understand the mind of God. So I think about Paul and all them writing. I don't think Paul fully understood what he was writing down. I don't think any of them understood fully what they were writing down. Thus they kept preaching it, learning it, meditating on it. Trying to understand the mind of God. Who can? Who can do that? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We just got to walk in obedience to a holy God who loves us and has everything prepared for all of us. Amen. I tell you, I ever tell you, nothing ever occurs to God, ever. What a statement. I mean, nothing ever occurs to him in your life or my life. He has you right where he wants you. Just make sure he really has you. I think that's so important. In verse 18, it starts off, and the nations were enraged. Look at this. The seventh trumpet reveals that these nations were all defiant and enraged at the prospect of of Christ's kingdom rule being established over all the earth. Listen, man's deep-seated hostility is demonstrated here. And see, we were all like that. We were all once gone astray. Amen? Amen. Think back to your life when you didn't know Jesus. What kind of person were you really? Jesus knows all about it. I might not know, but Jesus knows. Amen? So, so think about how God has transformed your life. What a miracle that is in you. Amen? Amen. His kingdom rule will be established over all the earth. Listen, man, did y'all still demonstrate here? A settled burning resentment against the holy God. To which armies, think about this. We're going to study here later on as we go through Revelation. Armies will be assembled to fight against God. Can you imagine that? Armies are going to fight against God. The world's armies are going to fight against God. And this gathering of hatred of all the nations under the king Satan, right, will come about where? In Armageddon. It's going to happen. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24, listen, it says, And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and their rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. You would think that these divine judgments would turn the people around, but no, they don't. And they haven't in the past, and they will not in the future. 
The hardness of their hearts, the scales on their eyes, the callous hearts. You wonder sometimes you try to talk to people and they're trying to get away from you, or maybe even your own family members don't want to hear. And that's okay. Listen, they're going to hear one day and it's going to be sad. It's going to break your heart because, listen, you keep praying for them. Don't ever give up praying for them. Don't ever give up an opportunity to share Christ with them. And don't back down from them because they don't want to hear it. Show them. Show them who you follow. Show them in your lifestyle how you live, why you follow, who you follow. And when they start asking you questions, you share with them how Christ is your confidence, how Christ is your all in all, how Christ, if it wasn't for Christ, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Christ, I wouldn't be delivered from what I was delivered from. Don't be afraid to share your past with some of your family members. Amen. Of how God delivered you from where you were and made you who you are today. Listen, I was an awful sinner, heathen man, myself. And it wasn't until I was 27 that I gave Jesus my life, my whole life. Not part of my life, but all of my life. And began to follow him. Did I follow him perfectly? No. But as I learned along the way, there were things I had to get rid of. There were things that God would reveal in my mind to get rid of. Get rid of this. But my heart and my life was to follow Jesus and what his word teaches me. And that should be all of our, our purpose and our mission and our life is to follow Christ. If you're not, how are you going to hear his voice when he tells you to talk to that person or that person? Or say something to that person. I mean, man. I mean, like yesterday when I talked, when I prayed with that, that man, I was like, he knew I was a pastor, but that's all he knew about me. And for him just to come and do that, I know he's hurt. And so we just right in the parking lot. We just pray. No greater thing than to lay it at the feet of Jesus, right? That's right. No matter what time or day. We need to make sure we do that. The coming of God's wrath is so certain. <clears throat> the rage and hostility toward God will reach a fever pitch and then they will gather together to fight against him at the battle of Megiddo, right? Armageddon. No more grace. Think about this. When that battle comes, there's no more grace at that point. No more. As this takes place, no salvation at Armageddon. Christ will be the victor. And the enemies will be utterly destroyed by his mouth. And we're going to be there, church. We're going to see it for what it is. Verse 18, and Father says, And your wrath came, and time came from the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets, the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and the great, to destroy those who destroy the earth. Listen, the coming of God's wrath is so certain that it can be spoken of as if it's already happened. And when we read this, you've got to think, oh, did this already happen? No, this is future events. But it's speaking as if it's already happened, because you know what? To God, it is. It's a done deal. God sits at the beginning and the end. He sits at the end looking back. It's, it's a done deal. God already knows what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. He sits there looking back, looking at the manifestations take place of what he already knows is going to take place. Blows my mind. Right? It's amazing. Christ will be the victory. The enemies will be utterly destroyed. Many think that a loving God will not pour out his wrath on them and will be clinging to a false and dangerous hope. This theme of judgment for unbelievers is a reoccurring theme throughout the scripture. We've seen it in the Old Testament, New Testament, and all throughout the book of Revelations. In Isaiah 24, listen, listen to this in Isaiah 24. 
Verse 17, it says, Terror and pit and snare confront you. O inhabitant of the earth, then it will be that he who flees the report of the disaster will fall into the pit, and he who climbs out of the pit will be caught in the snare, for the windows above are open, and the foundations of the earth shake, and the earth is broken asunder, and the earth is split through. Right, Brother Larry? The earth is shaken violently. How many of the earthquakes we've been seeing? An uptick of earthquakes, right? Brother Larry and I were just talking about that. The earth reels to and fro like a drunkard, and it totters like a shack, for its transgression is heavy upon it, and it will fall never to rise again. So it will happen in that day that the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high and the kings of the earth on earth, and there will be gathered together like prisoners in the dungeon and will be confined in prison, and after many days they will be punished, and then the moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. Boy, that's tough, right? You know what? You go to Ezekiel 38 and 39, it says the same thing. The sounding of the seventh trumpet marks the fulfillment of the great judgment event that the prophets foresaw, like in Isaiah and Ezekiel. God pours out his wrath on his enemies, and the time has come for the dead to be judged. Establishing Christ's kingdom is a great time, listen, for the dead to be judged. These are the general reference to all future judgments that are yet to come. This will be a time for God to reward his bondservants. His bondservants. How many bondservants I got in the house today? We're bonds. You know what a bondservant is? A bondservant isn't just a slave. Listen, no. This is a slave who was set free, but voluntarily goes back to the masters and wants to be bonded to him to serve him. Out of his own volition. That's who we are. We go to God and we say, Lord, use us. Use me. Every day. And that's why, that's why I started off that way. I want you to think about God, how he's using you. Fulfill your call. You have a call. Every person here has a call, has a plan, has a purpose. And God has it and he wants to unveil it in your life. I don't care what age or stage of life you are at. God has a plan and purpose for you to make him famous to a lost and dying world who's going to face this garbage one day if we don't tell them. And they don't get saved. They need to be saved. God pours out his wrath in his enemies. Time has come. This will be a time for God to reward his bondservants, of the prophets and the saints. Those who fear his name shall be great. Though the power to serve God in a way worthy of reward is a gift of God's grace. Still believers are encouraged to work in view of the promised rewards. Revelation 22, 12 says, Behold, he said, Jesus, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man, woman, child, according to what he has done. To all of us. 1 Corinthians 3, 8, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. This is the doing, folks. We've got to be first. We've got to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We've got to love our neighbor self. So the being is in God, loving him with a passion for him and he, like he has for us. And then we turn right around and we love our neighbor with the same passion that we love God and the way he loves us, we love other people. Amen. Even the ugly ones. More so. 
Because not him. God wants to take, he wants to show you something, sister and brother. He wants to show you something. He wants to show his power through your obedient life. And when he shows his power through your life, listen, God's going to cause things to happen. And you're going to go, huh, you're amazing. Amen. You ever had those moments? Amen. I have them. It's, it's wonderful, right? You don't want to leave it, right? You won't ever walk away from that. Sometimes I think he don't give it to you too much because it gets too familiar. It'll get too familiar to you. And you get complacent. We get complacent easily, don't we? Like coming into church, we get complacent. And we do the same old thing and we get in this rut and we just do the same old thing. Different day, same old thing, same old place. How many of you are sitting in the same place you sat last week? <laughs> right? And there's times when I talk with people and they're like, I didn't know that guy because he sat on that side. Or a girl, right? Or a couple. Guilty. I should take them. Maybe we ought to move around a little bit, right? Get to know each other better, right? That's true, man. I'm telling you, it happens. It just, it just happens. Creatures of habit. We become. We don't need to be. I don't think God wants us to be creatures of habit. Other than reading his Bible every day, right? And then it shouldn't be a habit. It should be a desire, an exciting time. 1 Corinthians 3, and now he who plants and who waters are one, but each one receives his own reward according to his labor. See, we have an inheritance as believers that we will inherit a kingdom in the millennial and eternal reign of Christ. Amen. Plus, we all get crowns. You ever think about the crowns you're going to get? Come on, there's like, here's like three of them are mentioned in scriptures. You know there are three of them? They are. Listen, the first one is the crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4 8. The crown of righteousness. The next one is the crown of life, James 1 and 12. The crown of life. And also there's the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4. That's okay, though. You won't wear them all. Because what are you going to do? Oh. oh, think about that very day when you get to take it off and you lay it at the feet of the one who made it all possible. Think about how many crowns are going to be piled up in front of the, in front of the throne of God. And we're going to be there. We're going to see. Because we're going to do and say, Lord, I don't deserve this. It belongs to you. Mm. Pile of crowns at the cross. The phrase, your bondservants, the prophets, this includes all who have proclaimed God's truth throughout redemptive history. From Moses to the two witnesses. Think about that. All who are proclaimed God, do you proclaim God's truth on a daily basis? Or when you have opportunity? It says judgment will also destroy those who destroy the earth. We're not talking about pollution here, folks. I'm not talking about pollution. Not the environment. No, I'm talking about, listen, those who pollute the earth with their sin. Sin is a polluting force. That's why, that's why, when I get done with Revelation, I think I'm going to do this. There's a thing that's called, uh, you ever wonder why sometimes God doesn't mention specifics about whether you should do something or not do something. When I did student ministry, I used to teach my students, students, they would come up to me, Pastor Phil, is it wrong to drink? 
And I would look at him and I'd say, are you asking a question? And they said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, it is wrong for you to drink. Because you're not convinced in your mind that you should. God would convince you that you should. And besides that, I said, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. The wrong question is, is not, can I drink? Is it okay to drink? But the right question you should ask. And I have in the back of my Bible, I have a, a bunch of questions that I ask when I have to make a decision. Is the decision to drink, would it be within the explicit moral will of God? That's a good question. Depending on how you answer, it's going to give you an answer whether you should or should not. Listen, is the decision being made in the attitude of Christ? That's a good question about drinking, isn't it? Or anything. Is the decision being made after, is the decision being made under the control of the flesh or the control of the Holy Spirit? And there's many, many more questions. And when we get done with Revelation, we're going to kind of go through that. It's kind of like a good litmus test. So we can ask the right questions to make decisions on what is the wisest thing to do in God's economy. Amen? It's so important we do that. But those who pollute the earth with their sin, all unbelievers. Second Thessalonians 2 7, for the mystery of lost is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work in the church age. But during the tribulation period, it will reach its pinnacle of destructive activity, destroying the very fabric of society in every single way. Do we not see that happening right now? It is happening. It is happening right before our eyes every day. Turn the news on. If you can, I get the point. I really, sometimes I shouldn't even watch it. You know? What a contrast. In the beginning, we were given what? Stewardship and dominion over the whole earth. God gave man dominion and stewardship over the whole entire earth, right? But the humans instead fell into sin and have corrupted the entire... And they didn't just fall into sin, buddy. They chose to sin. Like we all choose to sin. It's a choice. Romans 8.19 For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself also would be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. When corruption reaches its maximum or apex, God will destroy the earth and then create a brand new one. And that's what's going to happen. Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Revelation eleven nineteen. finish up chapter 11. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of the covenant appeared in his temple. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. In this seventh trumpet, the promise of unbroken fellowship with God is forever. This verse is what it looks like for us. We can't improve on that. The ark is symbolized by God's communion with his believers. This is where the blood sacrifices were offered to the atone for the men's sin. The ark of God's strength on display right here. Remember when they were marching with the ark? All the nations were fearful of the Israelites, were they not? Because they saw the power of the ark. 
It was, they had the power of God with them. Excuse me. Along with the ark in the heavenly temple, listen, there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. Similar events are associated with God's majestic, glorious heavenly throne. In Revelation 4, 5, Revelation 8, 5, 16, 7, 18, they are associated with judgment. Heaven is the source of vengeance in unbelievers, as well as covenant blessings for those who are redeemed. That would be us. So here's the message of the seventh trumpet. You ready? I'm going to narrow it all down. Jesus is king, right? He will take the rule of the earth away from Satan and human rulers. When he returns, he will bring covenant blessings to the redeemed, that's us, but eternal punishment to all those who reject him. So which will it be? There is so much here that we could digest, and there's never enough time. What are you doing in, in, in the Lord's economy with your day and your week? Are you serving the Lord daily? Are you going out there in the highways and the hedges and compelling people to come so that his house would be full? This is a good-looking crowd today, filling in some of these holes. Do you know Christ is your Savior this morning? Are you going to, which side, which, side which side of the fence are you on? Are you on the side of the lost people that are going to experience all this horrible stuff? Or are you on the side of Jesus Christ who wants to deliver you from all that stuff? I want you to be strong and courageous, children of God. I want you to have a life that's a successful life only because of your obedience to the Word of God. Because you're being in Him. Christ is in Him, in him and He's in you. And you follow Him with your life. Your life is surrendered to Him daily. And you follow Him and go exactly where He wants you to go and do exactly what you even if it sounds crazy. Sometimes it does. There's a myriad of people out there that don't know who he is. And we have the answer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this time together. I thank you for your word. Lord, it's a lot to take in. There is so much to take in, Lord Jesus. And we, and we try to get it in best we can. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can take a little pause here in the middle of this seventh trumpet and just know God that you are God and you are faithful and you help us to kind of take in all the things we've been talking about in the past and all those horrible things and Lord that it would burden our heart for our lost fellow man woman, child and Lord that it would cause us, it would urge us it would drive us to live a life as an example of the Lord and living Jesus Christ Lord somebody here today may not know you as Savior I pray, God, that today before they leave, they would ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into their heart and life and to save them from their wretchedness and their sin. For you already took their sin 2,000 years ago. They just got to acknowledge that you are their Savior, that you are their God. And, Lord, that they would submit all their life over to you, God, today. If there's one here today that's never done that in their past, they can't think of a time in their past where they humbled themselves and said, Lord Jesus, I want you, I know you are God. And I have sinned 
And I ask you, Lord, I am guilty before you, God, of my sin. And I realize now, Jesus, that you died on the cross and shed your blood to wash my sin away with your blood, which was perfect and unblemished. Come into my heart, Jesus, today. I believe in you as my Savior, and I believe with you as my God, the only God. Come into my heart and change me today. And Lord, I want to turn away from my life of sin and selfishness, and I want to chase you, Jesus, with all my heart. I thank you, Lord, for coming into my life this morning. Lord, I pray for my Christian brothers and sisters this morning. Help us to be intentional with our walk with you on every turn on every day. And Lord, chase people down like the hound of heaven that you are. How you chased us down. How you showed us our sin. How you helped us to surrender our life to you. And how you paid the price for all of our sinfulness. And we can become spiritually alive and live for you for the rest of my life. Lord, you do that for all of us here today. You would do that for those who would just surrender their will to you. I pray that somebody here does that this morning. And they will let me know about it when the service is over, including. I thank you, Lord, for your people, your church. I thank you for our guests. I pray, God, that you would use us for your eternal, everlasting glory. Help us, Lord, to walk humbly in your presence and to love everybody. With the love, just like what you showed in your love you gave to us. That's how we know that we are disciples, because we have love for one another. Help us to do that emphatically for the rest of our life. For it's in Jesus' precious name. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here today.